Good afternoon. Good news. Third service, finishing strong. You guys are my kind of people. Sleep in. I like it. Anyway, my name is Lisa, and I'm going to be reading our word today. So if you could please stand with me. We're going to be reading in Luke 8, verses 1 through 21. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God, and the the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much for the opportunities to come together and worship you today. Jesus, I just pray that um, you know what every single person in this room needs to hear, and you're going to speak to their hearts individually today. Father God, I pray that you would just anoint Nicholas's words, that you would just speak through him, and that we would all receive something today, and we would not leave the same way we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello, good news. How's it going? Good. My name is Nicholas. I'm the communications director here. And uh, that means that I, I, I usually spend time thinking about how we talk and how we say things and how, um, you know, how stuff looks, our messaging, um, because what we say really matters and it's really important. But more important than what we say often is how we listen. And for many of us, we're not very good listeners. Um, yeah, even as I'm talking to you today, uh, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your head, right? So whatever, uh, whatever you came to church with, whatever you're going to be doing this week, uh, maybe you're on Instagram, maybe you're not listening at all. 
Or maybe you're multitasking, you know. Uh, and even, even if you are trying to listen, you're still, you're still filtering whatever I say through some sort of lens. You know, whatever uh, you've heard someone else say about the same type of thing. Um, it's really difficult to listen. And this is really true in my own life. I, I find personally, I, I feel this very much. So I'm married. I have two little kids. They're, they're four and two, Hudson and Hazel. And they're, they're really cute and adorable. Um, and when I get home from work, uh, every day it's pretty much, you know, similar routine. I, I, I walk in the door and, and they run up, say, daddy's home, daddy's home. Yay. And, and I feel like a you know proud dad, you know, and, uh, and probably, you know, then we're going to, you know, it's like game on. We're going to, we're going to play. Maybe, uh, maybe my wife is going to work on dinner or something. And so, so we go outside and, and we're running into the front yard and then we're running to the backyard and we're, we're drawing chalk on sidewalk and, and, uh, in the hot days, we got the sprinkler out and, uh, and we got a lot going on. They're being cute, adorable little kids. And, and eventually somebody trips and falls and scrapes their knee or, or one of them pushes the other one. And, and it's incredible how they can go from being adorable little kids, to just being tiny little monsters, just like, like that. It's so fast. Um, it, is that just me? No. Okay. Thank you. A parenting moment right here. It's like, um, and, and so, so I'm trying to kind of wrangle them sometimes. And, but, but the reality is, uh, I may be physically there, but mentally I'm probably still back at work, you know, or I'm thinking about a couple different things. And my wife may try to tell me something and, you know, remind me about getting something done that evening or just tell me about her day or it could be anything. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm kind of here, you know, and, uh, and, and, and I'm looking at her and I can tell there are words coming out of her mouth. <laughs> uh, but what am I not doing? Listening guys, confession moment right now. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, because then she walks away and I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I have no idea what she just said. <laughs> I don't know if I agreed to something. I don't know what happened because we're not good at listening. I'll be the first to say it. Um, and, uh, and this is not, this is a universal problem, right? This is not new. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows we're not good listeners. So he's going to talk to us in very specific types of ways. He's going to talk in parables. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how we listen and, uh, and, and how Jesus speaks to us. Now, of course, what I'm not just talking about here is, is physical listening, right? We all have some, some of us here different than others. What we're talking about is spiritual listening. Is, are, are we listening with our heart? You know, are we paying attention and understanding what's going on? Um, so let's look at this passage. Um, it was kind of a long passage, right? So, and, and Lisa did a really great job reading, but there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I think a lot of times when we, when we read the Bible, when we approach scripture, we might think that it's just a bunch of uh, rules for our life or just, you know, a bunch of little tidbits about what was going on in Jesus' day. It, but, but nothing here is, is, is unintentional. I mean, think about what we had. So, so we've got this story of, of the women following Jesus and then the parable. Jesus tells the parable. Then Jesus explains the parable. Then there's this, this verse about putting your lamp underneath the bed and, uh, and something about Jesus' family. He's disowning his family or something? What, what's happening? There's all these little things. And I think our natural approach is to say that they're separated. They're just giving us some context for Jesus' life. But that's not the case at all. See, 
scripture is not just a rule book. It's not just a handbook for your life. It's masterful storytelling. It's this narrative about God, about who he is. And it's all connected. If we are listening, we might hear it. Luke in particular. So we're in this sermon series on Luke and we've been here since November, right? And we're going to be here a while. We're camping out here because we think that there's a lot of stuff here. But we're getting to this point in Jesus's ministry where we can start to see that everything is connected. We can look back and start seeing uh, the same types of things come up over and over, regardless of the interaction that Jesus has. And, uh, and so it's really important that we understand that nothing is here unintentionally because Jesus is giving us something important. He says it right here. What is he giving? He says, I have the secrets of the kingdom. There's secrets. There's, there's things hidden here that if we're listening, we can hear. But if we're not, if we're just kind of doing a surface level overview, we might miss it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The secrets of the kingdom. And, uh, and so secret number one, secret number one is who paid Jesus's bills? (laughs) Who paid Jesus's bills? Ah, someone's listening. Good, 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 good. All right. You got it. So in the first section here, there are these women that are following Jesus. And, uh, and I think it's really cool that Luke, uh, has a particular habit of highlighting the ways that women were an active part of Jesus's ministry. He loves pulling that out. In fact, all throughout scripture, you see that women are elevated in roles that you would never see in ancient literature like we have here. This is really unique to the Bible, but especially Luke loves talking about the story of Jesus and highlighting the women and their role in that story. And so we see these women, and it says that they provided for Jesus's ministry out of their means. So who are these women? Well, you have Mary, you know Mary, Mary Magdalene. She had seven demons cast out of her, seven. Apparently somebody counted. Uh, That had to be crazy, right? (laughs) And it totally rocks her life, and she starts following Jesus. And uh, and Mary is going to be the one who, at Easter at the resurrection is going to be the first one at the tomb and is going to run to tell the other, to tell the disciples that Jesus is risen. Mary was the first evangelist. Isn't that cool? I think that's awesome. And then you have Joanna, right? So who's Joanna? Anybody? Joanna is the wife of Chusa or Chusa or something like that. Chusa, right? You know him. Huh? Who is he? He's the head of Herod's household. Yes. And who's Herod? He's the king, right? Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it yet? Some of you, maybe I can see the wheels turning, maybe. So Herod is the king of Galilee. So Herod's dad, Herod the Great, he was king of all of Israel. He's the guy that tried to kill baby Jesus. He, uh, he rebuilt the temple. Important guy in the history of Israel. And then when he died, Rome broke up his empire into three different sections, different regions. And Galilee went to Herod Antipas, Herod Jr., one of his sons. And, um, and so, so it's like, it's like saying that Herod is the king of this region. It's like the king of Nebraska. And then where is Jesus? Where is he traveling around? He's traveling around all these little towns in Galilee, in that region. It's like Jesus was going to Plattsmouth or Blair or Fremont. He's traveling around in the region that Herod is the king of, right? And what is Jesus talking about? What's the main thing that Jesus talked about all the time? 
Kingdom, right. He's talking about the kingdom. Well, when you're a king or a region and someone else is gaining a lot of followers and talking about this kingdom, you might start to get a little nervous. And we know that Herod was. Herod was definitely getting nervous. He had already thrown John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, in jail. And uh, we're going to find out later in chapter 13 that, that some guys came to Jesus and said, Hey, you, you should leave Galilee because they're coming to kill you. And uh, by the way, sidebar, if, uh, if you want to see Jesus throw some serious shade at Herod, go read chapter 13. You got you to listen. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but go, go check it out because it's really cool. Um, okay, so Herod, he's a king. He's super rich. He's got lots of money and land and houses and horses. He's probably got like five Mercedes Escalade chariots, right? He's pimping, right? He's got a lot, of, a lot of cash and he needs somebody to take care of that. So he hires this guy, Chusa. And so when you are like taking care of the money for the king, you probably make a little bit of money yourself, right? And, uh, and where would you expect the wife of this rich head of the king's household to be? This rich socialite, probably at fancy dinner parties, drinking $200 bottles of wine, fancy clothes, and socializing with the royal elite, right? Is that where she's at? No, no. Instead, Joanne is following this Homeless Jewish rabbi around Galilee, staying in a Motel 6 with Mary, the former demon lady, and these 12, 20-somethings called the disciples. And she's helping pay all the bills. And where's she getting her money? Follow the money back. She's just saying, hey, honey, go buy yourself something nice, and she's dropping it in the offering. Do you see how awesome that is? King Herod is unknowingly, indirectly funding the very resistance movement he's trying to stamp out. It's unbelievable. It's so cool. Now, look what we look what we did. All of that from one verse about the women following Jesus. Did we have to do a bunch of research into uh, first century Palestinian history context? No. Did we have to like do a Greek word study and you know, get into the languages? No, that'd be kind of fun. But um, no, all we had to do was listen and pay attention. See, Luke is putting it there and he expects us to hear it. He expects us to be listening and to pay attention and to hear what he's doing. But we have to be listening. All right. So that's secret number, number one. Are you on board? Do you see where we're going with this? All right, that's the appetizer. This is the main course. Secret number two. What's the deal with the dirt? What's the, what's the deal with the dirt? Why, why is Jesus talking about dirt and soil, uh, seeds and farming? What's he doing? Why, why does Jesus speak in parables? Um, this, this particular parable is really a parable about parables. It's a parable about why Jesus speaks in parables, and he's going to tell us here, but we have to really listen. I'm going to give some credit to some places I've gotten some resources. We have a great sermon planning team that help craft uh, our our messages and and work with whoever's speaking, but but we also like to pull from some good sources. One of the sources I love is the Bible Project uh, and Tim Mackey's teachings. If you don't know them, look up the Bible Project and just watch like every single video. It's so good. And then uh, another really great source on parables is this book called Stories with Intent by Klein R. Snodgrass. I'm glad I don't have that name. Um... 
But if you, if you really want to do a deep dive and you love reading, uh, this is a really great book about how Jesus, what he intended when he was, he was talking about the parables. So that's where I'm going to pull a lot of stuff today that we're going to talk about. So, um, so, okay, let's go back. Jesus knows that we are terrible listeners, right? And he wants to get our attention. Jesus is speaking about his primary message. Here's what, here's what parables are often not. They're not just nice little moral tales illustrated to tell us how to live. You know, be, be nice, be a good person, love your neighbor, um, don't lie. That's not what they are. They're all about the same thing. They're about Jesus's primary message. And what is Jesus's number one message? The kingdom, the kingdom of God. It says it right there in verse one. He came about proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Matthew calls this the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. Um, it's referring to the same thing. And Jesus knows that we're not very good listeners, but he's talking about his main message. And he wants us to listen because people at the time had a hard time listening. They had a, a lot of different ideas about who Jesus was and what the kingdom was going to be and what this was all going to look like. And it's not that different now today. In fact, I would say that if we were to poll most people, maybe even Christians, uh, what was Jesus's primary message? What is the gospel? What, what, what was the main thing that Jesus was trying to say? What was he getting at? We'd probably hear something like this. We'd probably say, um, so um, Jesus knows that the, 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 the earth is broken, it's a bad place, and he's come to show us how to be a good person so that we can go to heaven when we die. It'd be some version of that, maybe not quite so, you know, clean cut, but some version of that, that heaven is this, this, uh, only this other thing. It's all about what happens after. And, and we do have the hope. We have this hope for what happens after. But the problem with that viewpoint is that that's not what Jesus was actually saying. What Jesus was really talking about was not the great escape getting us off of earth and into this other place called heaven. It was the great invasion, as Pastor Walt keeps saying week after week, heaven to earth. And he said it right in the prayer, right? When he told us how to pray, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It was about heaven coming here. It was the overlap of heaven and earth and about living in that space, about what happens when heaven invades earth. And Jesus was showing it. He's, he's through his, his teaching, right? What happens when heaven comes to earth? The poor are blessed, right? Um, he's showing us through his miracles, through signs and through wonders. This is what happens when heaven comes here to earth. And the problem, I think, with, with that, uh, the common viewpoint is it can lead to an idea that it has nothing to do with this life today. In fact, I think many, many young people have heard the wrong version of what Jesus was saying because they think that salvation and the kingdom of God has only has to do with what happens after life. And they see this life going on here today and they say, how, but how does it fit today? See, the Bible is not primarily about, about getting you into heaven. It's about getting heaven into us. It's about getting heaven here. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he knows that we're bad listeners. And we have a lot of times we have a lot of other preconceptions that we bring to the table. And so he's going to try to get our attention to, to, uh, to surprise us into finding the truth. And so parables are, are these, these, uh, these puzzling, inviting stories that draw the listener in and force us to do the work of figuring out. It's not just an illustration about another point. In fact, 
quite often Jesus uh, didn't explain his parables. Some of them were self-explanatory, but many times they were not. And so we're going to see that here. So, so we have the crowd, right? There's a multitude of people. It says from, people from town after town have been coming around. They come to Jesus. In, uh, in Matthew's version of the same story, it says he went out onto the lake. There were so many people who went out onto the lake. Why did he do that? He was creating this natural amphitheater because sound travels farther over water than on land. So Jesus goes out onto the lake. He wants everybody to hear. There's all these people. He wants them to listen to what's going on. And, and, and it's really important. So how does Jesus capitalize on this, this prime moment to talk about his main message, the kingdom of God? He wants everyone to hear. How does he do it? So there was this farmer, and he was sowing his seed, and as he sowed, some of the seed fell on the path. And the ground was hard, and the birds immediately came down and snatched it. And then he sowed some other seed, and, and, and it fell on shallow ground. And it grew a little bit, but when the sun came out, it scorched it because there was no roots. And he sowed some more seed and it went onto the, the weedy ground, the thorny ground. And it grew up and the weeds grew with it and eventually choked it. But there was other seed that fell on good ground. And it grew up and became a harvest. Do you have ears? We should listen. That's it. That's the end of his sermon. <laughs> That's all he said right there. He, st- he stops right there. Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> well, you have this moment to tell everybody, be perfectly crystal clear about what the kingdom of God is, about what you're doing, and you're talking about farming? It's so bizarre. Maybe Jesus doesn't have the same value system that we do. You see, we value clarity. Just tell it to me like it is. Just... Give it to me simple, right? I'm a communications director. That's like my job. I'd be so frustrated if I was Jesus's communications director. Jesus, why don't you just tell them? What? You have this important message. Why don't you just tell them what you're talking about? See, Jesus knows that we're not very good listeners, and he wants us to lean in and ask the question, what does this mean? And that's what the disciples do. They ask him, what's going on here? And what's so wild is that even when he explains it to them, it's still not totally clear. He's still not saying exactly who he's talking about. But I believe this. I believe that Jesus is pointing out who the different types of ground are in the narrative. Because he says to you, disciples, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. But to others, I'm going to speak in parables. And, and what does, why does he say he does that? So that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. You see, in this crowd, there are people that have different ideas about Jesus. And if they've come skeptical and... Um, just not sure what this Jesus guy is about. As he talks, they're probably going to leave the same way. They're going to think the same way. But if people have come with open ears, ready to hear, they're going to hear what Jesus says, and they're going to lean in, and they're going to listen. 
And I think that as Jesus is explaining this parable and talking about the different kinds of soil, people, they, they can see what's going on. I have a, a photo here of some, some soil. So I, am, uh, I grew up on a farm, and my youngest brother, Joel, still lives on the farm. And you got that photo? Uh, he still he still lives on the farm, and I asked him to to send me some photos of different types of soil that match what's going on here in the parable. So there's a hard ground in the top left. You see nothing's really grown there. Uh, there's some uh, ground over here. I don't know if you can tell. Those are rocks, kind of strewn, strewn in there. Uh, that's the rocky ground. There's there's some ground uh, on, on on his farm that's got some weeds in it, and, and hardly anything is grown there. And the bottom right is the good ground. There's uh, it has uh, has some some crops in there. You know what I thought when he sent me these? Maybe the th- same thing you're thinking. They all look the same. <laughs> Kind of, right? There's brown and there's green, but this kind of all look the same. Isn't that interesting? You see, sometimes all the ground, the sometimes we all look the same on the surface. But how do you know that the bottom right one is good ground? How do you know? It's got a crop. In fact, do you know what's going on in between the green Last year's crop. This is good soil. Many times we don't know what's going on on the surface until something does or does not grow. Then we find out what's going on underneath. I believe that the disciples recognized this. They could see that. And as Jesus is explaining the parable, he is... They're, they're making the connections. They're saying, okay, ground. I see how this connects to different interactions. And they're thinking back about the narrative. They're thinking back about the experience they've had with Jesus. And I hope that we can do that today. I hope that as, as we talk about hard ground, we remember Nazareth. When Jesus went to his hometown and brought the word and brought the kingdom. And it was immediately rejected. Right? When Jesus talked about the shallow ground. I think they might have thought about the Pharisee who invited Jesus into his home, who wanted to have a conversation with him. But very quickly, they found out there was something else going on under the surface. That when the sinful woman came in, they found out that there were these rocks of prejudice going on underneath. I think when Jesus talked about the weedy ground, they might have thought about the the dialogue that Jesus had um, after John the Baptist came. You remember John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? And then Jesus did this whole speech about the people who think John's crazy and they think I'm a glutton and a drunkard. They don't know what they want. They don't know what they're looking for. And they're so distracted and they're thinking about all these different things. They have so much going on. It's like the weeds. But I think when Jesus talked about the good ground, they certainly thought about the the centurion. Who Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this anywhere. I think they thought about Levi, who, who left everything to follow Jesus. They probably thought about themselves, how they had left everything to follow Jesus. They thought about the sinful woman who extravagantly, uh, despite her past, despite her sinful past, came to Jesus. I think if we would listen, we would start to see the connections in our own lives and see where we land in all of this. You see, Jesus is not going to do the hard work for you. He may not just tell you, here it is. I'm going to explain everything. 
because he knows that we need to lean in and to listen and to do the hard work. I think that our church here today, and probably every church that meets this morning, um, is not that different than the multitudes. I think there are many of us here who want to see Jesus. Many of us who are coming to Jesus, who are interested, who are listening or trying to hear and trying to understand, Jesus, what do you have for us? And in the same way that Jesus was telling these parables, maybe not making things perfectly clear, but revealing the secrets of the kingdom, I think that's a lot like us. There's a smaller group of people, perhaps, that is following Jesus around from town to town, even smaller, that is the twelve that are the true disciples of Jesus. And even within the disciples, there was Peter and James and John who were so close to Jesus. My question is, do we want to be the disciple of Jesus? Do we want to become followers of Jesus? Do we want to become the good soil? And what does that look like? It means listening and identifying where you are in those soils. Are you the hard ground? Are you, do you immediately reject Christ? Probably not because you might not, probably wouldn't be here, but maybe. But see, interesting thing about hard ground, when it's left over time and not turned over, you don't take that shovel or the plow and turn it over, it can become hard because the old ways of thinking become so old, they become hard and they reject the new thing that God has. Jason talked a month or so ago about the old, about new wine and old wineskins, right? God wants to do something new, but can't put it into an old wineskin because it's going to burst. We need to be digging up the old ideas, the, 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 the things in our life that we think we are so sure of. Let me tell you, I've read this passage over and over and over throughout my own life. And sometimes it can become easy to say, oh yeah, 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 I know what that is. I'm going to move on. I'm telling you, God has something new that he wants to give to you, some new wine, a new seed to plant, but we need to turn over the soil. And we do that by getting into the word, by studying, really studying and listening, asking the questions. Let me tell you, the best question you can ask for pretty much anything you're going to read is why is this here? Why is this verse here? Because you're, I, I, if you if you read through this Bible, you're going to find a lot of things. You're like, why? What? What is going on? Ask the question, why is this here? Because I'm telling you, there's a reason. And then ask the question, what does it mean? So you might be the hard ground. You also might be the shallow ground. Maybe you get really excited about what God is doing here on Sunday morning, have an altar call, great worship, but it has no impact on your life when you leave. Maybe there's something else going on under the soil. Maybe it is sin that needs to be dealt with. Maybe you need forgiveness. Or maybe you need to forgive. Terry talked several weeks ago about Jesus' message on loving your enemies and forgiving others. And you may not be growing because you have not forgiven. Uh, Maybe we need to deal with our past. Maybe there's something from your past that is affecting your present reality. Carrie talked about this just last week. Listen to that message. We need to bring that to Jesus. 
Start building a foundation. Turn that soil over. Work that ground. Or maybe you're thorny ground. Maybe you have a lot of weeds going on and maybe just distractions of life. I tell you, we all are so constantly busy. We're just on all the time with so much input coming at us all the time. We live in an age where there's more input coming at us and we can have access to every bit of information that we want in a second. And yet there's very little action about it. We don't actually do anything about it. We say, yes, yes, this is important. We'll retweet that, but we won't actually do anything about that. Because we have so many distractions, I think they pull us away. So maybe that's you. Maybe we need to practice giving up some of those things. We need to pull some of those weeds out. We need to Sabbath, right? We need to rest and turn off from work and turn off from the distractions in our life for one day a week and to create this rhythm in our life. It's not just doing it every once in a while. It's creating a rhythm of turning it off. Turn off your cell phone for like one day a week. Try it. It will change your life because we have so much happening and coming at us. We need to pull those weeds. But it's going to be hard work. It's going to require some spiritual discipline. It's going to require asking some questions. It's going to require some real study into the scripture or, or, or building prayer into your daily life or practicing Sabbath or practicing fasting. I don't know. It could be many different things. But it is hard work. But there's good news. Jesus has a plan for how to do that too. And secret number three. Who does Jesus call family? So there's this last little section here where Jesus' mom and his brothers come to him. And and, and they can't get inside. It's really crowded wherever he's at. And they say, your mom and your brothers are here. And Jesus says, who's my family? Who are my mom and my brothers? Who's my family? And he looks at the people around him. He looks at the disciples. He probably looks at these women that are probably right there. And he says, anyone who listens to my word and does it, they are my family. This is not unconnected. It's all coming back. He's redefining family by the way we listen. And, how, and, and what do we call that family today? What is the family that Jesus is talking about? It's the church. We do this together. We work the ground together. We identify what type of weeds or rocks or what sort of hardness is in our life. We do that together. Through your small group. One-on-one with someone that you trust. Maybe in prayer. Whatever it is, we do this together. We need to work these spiritual disciplines into our lives and we need to do it together. We need to challenge each other. And I encourage you to do that this week in your small group. Ask each other, what type of soil are you? How do you identify yourself? I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I can see all of these in my own life. I can see places where I'm hard and I have old ways of thinking, maybe some, maybe a revelation from God that I had early on in my relationship, but now I need to take that with him because God wants to bring something new and I need to ask the questions. We need to wrestle with our doubts. Pastor Walt talked about that two weeks ago. 
If you didn't listen to that message, I encourage you to go back. He gave us permission to bring our doubts to God. And Jesus does that right here. He has no problem with that. I can see shallowness very often in my own life. I get really excited about what God is doing. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm all on board that we're going to do that. And, um, and it doesn't sustain. I can see many areas that we need to pull the weeds and pull the things that are distracting us, the cares and riches of this life that are distracting us from the message of Jesus, from the kingdom of God. So my question for you today is, um, are you interested in these secrets? Jesus has secrets of the kingdom. He's showing us how it works. But he's also saying not everybody's going to get it. Many people are going to hear. There's going to be a multitude of people, but not everybody is going to listen. And not everybody is going to understand. So we need to listen. What kind of soil are you? Are you hard? Are you shallow? Are you crowded? Think about your heart. Where's my heart at? Is, do I have a hard heart, a shallow heart, or a crowded heart? We need to have a listening heart. We need to listen. And then we need to do something about it because James says to not just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Do something about it. Put that spiritual discipline in place. If it's reading your Bible every day, if it's praying, building Sabbath into your life, fasting from the things that are distracting you. Don't just hear it right now. Write it down. Tell your small group, this is what I'm going to start building into my life. This is what I'm going to start doing. Will you help me? Will you help me work this soil? Let's pray right now. Father God, help us to identify what type of soil we are. If you are listening and you hear Jesus pointing something out to you, maybe you're the hard ground, maybe the shallow, maybe the crowded. You know, the Holy Spirit is showing you I just ask you to respond to God. It might just be saying it right now. God on the hard ground. I need to turn over the soil. On the shallow ground, I need to deal with something that's underneath the surface. I'm, I'm crowded. I have a crowded heart. I have a lot of things pulling my attention. And they're distracting me from you. God, forgive us. Forgive us and help us to bring our heart to you, to ask the questions, to wrestle with the doubts, to pull the weeds, to deal with our past. Help us to have listening hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we say thank you to Nicholas this morning for bringing the word? Last night, I, I uh, took an apple out of the refrigerator, and I laid it out, and I cut it up, and I began to eat this apple, and it was so good. And you're like,
you're like, who cares about an apple? (laughs) It was so good. What do people taste, right, when they experience your life, when they come in contact with you? Do they taste good fruit? Do they go, oh, man, that was so good. I met this person. It's amazing. They just, you know, there's something about them, right? They're not like the other apples. I've had those apples where you bite into them and they're just like mush. And you're like, I don't know if you want to finish this thing, you know. How do you know what kind of soil you are? Well, the fruit that comes out of your life. Now ask the people who are close to you, do you enjoy the fruit that's coming out of my life? Or is it like that, that apple that's kind of mushy and bruised and you're like, mm, I don't know. Or is it that crisp apple that just has so much flavor? It's amazing, right? And if the apple isn't what you want it to be, right, or what God wants it to be, then you have to go back to the heart. You always have to go back to the soil and examine that and, uh, and uh, go there and, and deal with that. And so... Nicholas, thank you for bringing that, that powerful word today. I want to be that good soil. I want to be that person that hears and that that goes after the secrets of the kingdom and uh, applies them to my own heart and then allows them to produce amazing fruit in my life. Um, That's the kind of, that's the the guy I want to be. What kind of guy guy or gal do you want to be in the kingdom? Do you want to be the kind that um, is hungry to know the secrets? of the kingdom because you can know them. You have to seek them out. You have to do like the disciples did and say, hey, Jesus, what, what, did that, what was that all about? What about this dirt? You got to dig into it. You got to explore. You got to seek it out. And God said, you know what? If you seek me and you, seek with, uh, and you search for me with all of your heart, he says, you'll find me. He's not playing hide and seek. He's there to be found. He's there to be experienced. I love that. And I tell you what, there are some times in my life I get, I get crowded, I get so busy, right? Or I get so shallow, I'm like, yeah, I don't really care, whatever. I don't care what that parable, I don't care, you know. I say, God, I repent, because you want to tell me the secrets of the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you to stand to your feet if you would, and I'm going to invite our prayer workers to come. If you'd like special prayer today, we're here to pray with you. Um, God is here. If you don't know him, uh, this is the day of salvation. If you know you're not right with God, this is your time. This is your moment. We encourage you to come. And just just mention to one of our prayer workers, man, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God today. Man, if your body isn't right and you need healing, we believe that when those who lay hands on the sick, those who believe will lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. We want to pray with you. So prayer workers, come. Uh, Listen, have a blessed week, man. Go after the secrets of the kingdom, man. Don't Don't be lazy. Don't be hard. Don't be shallow. Don't be all crowded where you have no time for God. Go after the secrets of the kingdom. Somebody say amen. You believe that? So be it. Amen. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray that, um, God, we would just be, uh, uh, we'd be hungry to know the secrets of your kingdom and hungry, God, to make those secrets known wherever we go. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.